What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain we finally did it after six years of R&D and a couple attempts that ah, weren't exactly quite right, we came out with our flagship protein bar and these delicious things we're calling protein bites. Now, both of them, the core constituents, have over 60 different plant materials combined in this protein bar. So it's not like one of those other bars that's one or two ingredients that has you eating pretty much the same food as you would eat normally. This is really expanding your micronutrient profile, giving you access to all of these exotic foods, fruits, flowers, vegetables, herbs, but still keeping an ideal macronutrient profile. Sugar is really low, three grams for the protein bars, five grams for the protein bites. Everything is earth-grown, plant-sourced when we can, and also utilizing whey as a complete protein to help make sure that you're covering your protein needs. I'm really excited about these bars. They taste delicious. The protein bites themselves, it's pretty much like eating a candy bar. It's unbelievable what we were able to do uh, using other natural sweeteners like stevia, lohan, and all of these other different plant sources. So definitely check it out. Go to onit.com slash Aubrey, save 10% as you always do, and bite into some Onit protein bars and protein bites. My man, Bedrose Kulian, is at the intersection of fitness, business, entrepreneurship, franchising. You'll get to hear a little bit of his story there. But what's really interesting about the podcast is his own healing journey and how that mirrors some of the techniques and some of the themes from my own healing journey and probably many of yours as well. Enjoy. Bedros, good to have you out here to Austin, my man. Aubrey, good to be here, my brother. Yeah. So we had a, we had this smoothie together called the Million Dollar Smoothie out there in Malibu. And that, Malibu. that was like... That was an eye opener for me because I was like, "All right, we got to bring our smoothie game here at On It to the next level." You're getting one taste of like one of the ten mm. on there, but but what do you think so far here? I think we got to name this the five million dollars smoothie. <laughs> no joke, man. What, what, what it this? doesn't cost twenty dollars like it's, the million dollars smoothie. Yeah, well, in Malibu, that's, that's the minimum twenty dollars. <laughs> that's the, that's yeah. the mal- yeah. You you want you actually just spit it out if it's not twenty dollars a mouthful. No, yeah, yeah. If it's not, I won't even swallow. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, what is this? The peanut butter smoothie with coffee in it, right? Yeah, it's got some of our uh, hemp force active protein, um, some of our vitality protein, some peanut butter, some, uh, I think, coconut mm. cream, yeah. um, some cold brew. Yeah, it's got all kinds of good shit in it. I love it. I yeah, love man. it. Well, it's a pleasure to have you out here, man. We got a lot of stuff that we can chat about. But first, you know, you've been able to accomplish quite a few significant things on the business side. And I think that's, uh, it's always, a treat for me to have someone you know who we can talk entrepreneurship and talk that language with on here because I oftentimes find myself you know chatting about spirituality and philosophy sure. and it's uh which it's cool is actually the reason back. that's the reason I listen to your podcast is mm-hmm. because of the deep path that you do take yep because everybody uh, shares that in common oh. you know and it's it's cool to meet someone who shares that in common but plus has a you know entrepreneurial path as well Mm -hmm. so you know what is uh you know what have you what have you accomplished out there and like what do you attribute to that and and i think that'll naturally segue into you know some of these discoveries you were talking to me about earlier well you know i've been i've been blessed enough to have figured out right when the economy failed so early 2009 a year after the economy crashed i knew that personal training was going to be really difficult for trainers to offer one-on-one personal training like people were unemployed the money had gone away the economy's crashing the biggest financial disaster of our time 
And of course, you know that I coach and consult personal trainers. And so immediately I start taking a financial hit because mm. the personal trainers aren't making money and their gyms are empty. I'm not making money. So in that time, there's boot camps happening outdoors. But the entire fitness industry always looked at boot camps as this kind of redheaded stepchild that takes place outdoors in parks and at, at beaches, at, at, at school playgrounds. But it was never a legitimate business model. And I'm thinking, here's a way to deliver personal training and make it more affordable and convenient and actually be able to make it economy-proof because mm -hmm. we'd go from six to $1,200 a session or a month to uh, whatever, 150, 200 bucks a month, right? And so I took the model, the outdoor boot camp, and I brought it indoors like I had my personal training gyms and we called it Fit Body Boot Camp. We officially franchised, so we started off as a licensing program like, like the Black Swan Studios there. Mm -hmm. When we had close to 100 licensed locations, we then converted into a franchise in 2012. And it's been a up, up, up trajectory ever since. I've just been blessed enough where I have you know, years of coaching clients and 43,000 customers who had bought a course or come to a seminar or workshop who kind of got on board with our Fit Body Bootcamp brand. And so we're on just this side of 600 locations worldwide in five and a half years, six years. And uh, so that my main gig now is growing the Fit Body Bootcamp franchise to 2,500 locations worldwide. We're, uh, we just hit the Inc. 5000 list twice in the last two years. We're entrepreneurs, 350th fastest growing franchise out of 780,000 franchises. And none of that means nothing to me. What's the biggest thing is that you're looking at a foreign fat kid, right? <laughs> I, I, I am, right? I came to America in 1980, six years old, wearing hand-me-down clothes. In fact, remember the Munsters? Yeah. Okay, so uh, the third or fourth day we were in the United States, and this was in uh, Santana, California, my parents found in the dumpster a Herman Munster shirt that fit me. And so when they sent me to school, kids called me Herman. <laughs> and they called me Herman so much that I would answer to it. Later on, I would introduce myself as Herman when we'd go to, I'd go to new schools because we'd move <laughs> around a lot. Yeah, yeah. But I was a foreign fat kid. And so yeah. in high school, I got in shape because I wanted to, Asked this girl Nakai out to the prom, and and I figured if I get in shape, then lose the fat. You know, I'm more right. likely to. I, I got in shape, but I didn't have the nerves to ask her out. But that changed my trajectory in life. I was like, I want to help more people get fit. So even with my franchise, even with my thousands of coaching clients who are personal trainers and gym owners, I see myself as the ultimate personal trainer. I'm helping millions of people worldwide sure. burn fat, get fit, but ultimately build their self esteem and self image, which was my biggest issue personally growing up. Turns out, just because you're fat doesn't mean you have to live in a hole. I had low self-esteem, low self-image. And so, uh, to me, that's what I do with my franchise. So all the accolades are just bonuses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you're creating systems that allow the sustainable kind of transformations that yeah. you yourself recognize the value in. Yeah. I want to go into franchises, though, a little bit, because a lot of times I think they're overlooked when people are in this entrepreneurial craze. There's this idea like, I got to do my own thing. I got to create this thing from scratch and put it together. And that's all exciting and fun. But like, what are the advantages that you see to choosing a franchise model, you know, and being able to own your own business, but have the structure just, just in general, not just talking about fit body boot camps, but yeah. just franchises yeah. in general. Dude, franchises in general are there to help make your life easier and more profitable, period. It doesn't matter if it's yoga, if it's burgers, sandwiches, yogurt, fitness. At the end of the day, someone's already figured out the model, right? And if you figured out the on it cafe model, and I'm like, gee, this, you know, peanut butter shake is amazing. The smoothie's amazing. I'm gonna go recreate it at home. No, hey Aubrey, can I, can I buy into the model and you show me what you use? And this, statistically speaking, there's a seven-time increase in you staying in business after the first 18 months when you're a franchise. That's because someone's already created the model, mm -hmm. tested it, proved it, worked out the kinks. You're buying into a working model. I'll take that any day over a, I'm going to create my own brand, let my ego take the lead and try and, that, and figure that's it out. Really, that's really got to be a big part of it, right? Like, sure. You know, if you're kind of go buying into somebody else's creation, you don't get to take that kind of ego ownership of that project, I guess. Yeah. So I suppose if your ego is that big, then you go into your own thing. But then you've got to bleed. You've got to suffer. No you've got doubt. to take bigger risks. No doubt. You know, Seth Godin put out an email and he said, entrepreneurs are people who take risks with the outcome being unknown. 
I dare others, and this isn't a challenge for people to go bankrupt, but I dare others who have an idea, go go take the risk. Dude, you you had an idea for on it, and you took the risk with the outcome being unknown, with competitors being far and wide all around you. Now, if you're like, hey, I'm gonna franchise the Black Swan model, the On It Cafe, the gym system, people would be lucky to get on board with it because mm-hmm. you've already gone through the pain, the ulcers, and all the darkness. Yeah, no right? That's, yeah, we, that's the model. There's, there's a whole host of solved problems that we can provide, mm-hmm. you know, whereas when you're learning it and forging it yourself, you just get blindsided by yeah. all of these different things that come out of the woodwork. And then also being able to plug into, I'm sure you provide some demographics, some location analysis, some lease term analysis, some, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is like for any franchise, you know, it's really, you're able to understand the business model quickly and then scale up if you can get access to the capital what people don't see with the franchise they just go subway or or you know pinkberry or in our case fit body boot camp what they don't see is that all franchises are overseen by the federal trade commission and the federal trade commission won't let us stay in business as a franchise if we don't have a success rate that's a specific amount for example you don't see quiznos opening up anymore you don't see cold stone creamery opening up anymore that's because the ftc has put a stop to that right sorry people who like fucking toasty <laughs> subs <laughs> go fuck yourself with those toasty right, ass subs right, right right we're doubling down on some bullshit subway and, right now yeah right so at the end of the day really it's about people a franchise has created systems for you that you otherwise couldn't create for yourself because yeah. you've got the manpower the horsepower demographics like we can tell you if we're gonna and i'm not here to pitch fit body Bootcamp, but if we were gonna open up a fit body Bootcamp here in austin we can tell you exactly where the ideal mrs joneses are i mean that's our demographic the mrs joneses we'll tell you where they are the most dense population what streets they drive up and down and what shopping centers you should look for that's just one element of about 200 different bullet points mm-hmm. that we handle for you before your doors even open right yeah like you could do that for me if i'm gonna open up an on a cafe or a black swan yoga well who else is gonna go out there and figure that out for me right and i guess the key thing is is just finding something that you still believe in enough yep. that you can really put your heart in and it feels like it meets your own ideals in nature like the idea that i mean i had to i talk about this a lot like i don't pat myself on the back for being an entrepreneur i never want to call myself a serial entrepreneur i have no interest in that thing what i had an interest in was creating something that didn't exist because on it didn't exist this wasn't total human optimization in one company that you know you cut it through to the core and it's it's real you know the the heart of this thing is as real as the extremities of this thing that wasn't in existence and so i felt compelled to create it you know and and that was something that i needed to do but if there was another on it that existed and i could have jumped in i would have been like oh okay sweet yeah. you know like let's let's go with that or if another company you know even now i see other companies that are dope that are coming up like i'd work for tesla if i was young right. aubrey and i was in there and i and i got in there you know i'd work for some of these other great companies that are emerging yeah you know and i, and I think it's just uh, right now entrepreneur is such a hot word but it's also a little bit silly like it's just a, it's a fucking job well you it know, somehow it's, it's became hard. a rock star word i don't i don't know right. how that happened it's a full-time job of someone saying, I see a vacuum in the space. I'm going to fill it with this vision I have in my head that no one believes in other than me. Right? Yeah. That, that's what you've done. And yeah. so I don't envy people who, like, don't envy being an entrepreneur. Like, if, if there's, like you said, Tesla exists and you want to work for a Tesla or an Onnit, go yeah. work there. Be an intrapreneur. Yeah. Work under someone's sphere that does what you like. Like you said, though, no one had created Onnit. And you're like fuck it i'm the guy yeah and if you're looking out at electric cars and you're you know elon musk you're like damn there's some room here there's some fucking we yeah. got priuses <laughs> what, are we, right. what are what do we got here right, right. like there's some fucking room oh, God. and then but now now it's like you're trying to come up with an electric car company like maybe don't like well, maybe, maybe don't do that maybe no. maybe just fucking work for tesla and improve uh, provide them the ideas and your knowledge base like i said i think that intrapreneur word is fucking great i've never actually even heard that but that makes sense like apply yourself to your fullest purpose within the organizational structure that you think is awesome yeah at the end of the day it comes into belief like if you have belief in in tesla and on it and the fit body boot camp model do you want to go create and compete against them or do you want to work alongside them and be that entrepreneur 
But I think, again, goes back to the word we used earlier, ego. Because yeah. ego says, fuck it, I could do it better. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then you end up either ruining your marriage, your health, your, your finances, other people's finances if you borrowed money from them. Or I could just say, you know what? Aubrey's already created this whole awesome environment. And I think I want to work in the cafe department yeah. of on it. Let me in. Which, yeah. by the way, if I worked here, that's where I would be. <laughs> that's that's where I'd like to be. I'd like to just let somebody else take this test. I'd be serving and just myself up sit in the cafe and <laughs> yeah. make smoothies yeah. and fucking yeah. bullshit with people. It's my favorite place in the whole company. It's like uh, the modern day Cheers in there when I walk in, dude. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah, it's no, such it's, a great vibe. It is. It is a special place. Um, so one of the things that I think a lot of entrepreneurs do have in common, though, is the motivation behind creating something massive. Yeah generally comes from a lot of pain and a lot of feeling like you need validation and again that's an aspect of the ego that's a one of the darker aspects of the ego this feeling like you have to make yourself more significant because in some way you weren't enough growing up and you find that you know in so common in every entrepreneur Mm -hmm. that i meet and that's you know a story that's that's pretty common for you and you've kind of recently gone down a journey to really understand that about yourself why don't you let our listeners know where that came from so um so i was telling you earlier about four or five years ago i was suffering with crippling anxiety attacks like the first one i had in fact i thought i thought i was having a heart attack and here's why let me just clarify why people go you're awfully dramatic that was just an anxiety (laughs) attack not a heart attack so out of nowhere dude out of nowhere my throat starts closing up my heart starts racing i'm sweating i go tunnel vision and so far, I'm thinking, something's wrong, but I'm not thinking heart attack. It wasn't until both my arms start tingling, and all I remember is reading in like some health you know, textbook as a kid, like when the right arm or the left arm is tingling, the person's yeah, yeah, having yeah. a heart attack, right? I'm like, holy crap, I must be having the big one because both arms are tingling, <laughs> right? I mean, that's all where my head went to. And I was in my guest house. The, uh, the night before I was playing the drums, I keep my drum set in the uh, guest house, which is why I asked you who plays the drums over there. But uh, the night before I was playing the drums and I played barefoot, I'd left my shoes up there. In the morning, I went up there to, to the guest house to get my shoes. I bend over to pick them up, get up, and I'm having this anxiety attack. And so the only thing that's running through my mind is if I can just make it out of the guest house, you know, go down the staircase and, and knock on the door of the main house, my, my wife would be able to resuscitate me if I'm dying or at least call 911. Mm-hmm. But as I go down the staircase, I don't know if it's the fresh air or just a movement, I, I, I came to again. I, you know, I was in a sweaty mess, but I was felt okay. So I'm thinking, man, I just dodged a bullet. And so the next day, of course, I go to the doctor. I'm like, hey, man, I think I had a heart attack, but I dodged a bullet. What gives? They do the whole EKG test and like, look, your heart's fine, but are you stressed? Do you have anxiety? I'm like, I don't think I have anxiety. Lo and behold, I was suffering with anxiety the whole time. It's just this one was a massive attack that hit me. Subsequently, there was five, six, seven, eight more. So... That led me to go work with a therapist. And uh, the therapist taught me a couple of good tools that I think your audience could use. Uh, One of them is HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you're more likely to have an anxiety attack if you're anxiety prone like I am. Uh, If you're an alcoholic, you're gonna hit the bottle. If you're a drug addict, you're more likely to go to the drugs. If you're suicidal, you're more likely to have suicidal thoughts. And the other thing he taught me was, so if you just manage. So so that's. So think about that though. Like if someone you know is going through you know a hard time, like here's the plan. If they're your lover, then hug them, feed them, mm-hmm. have them take a nap, maybe have sex with them. Yeah, and you'll be fucking shocked. Yeah, at how much less burden you actually have to do, rather than just like talking right away. You know everybody I mean? wants like, to talk. Everybody right? wants to like talk. Well, let me talk about your problem. Well, if those base conditions in the body are still like screaming it's going to be way, way harder. Like one of the best shamans I've ever known, Maestro Hamilton Souther, he always says energy levels matter. And he's speaking about the same thing. Like a lot of times you're going through, oh, I'm having this spiritual crisis, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, how much sleep did you get? You know, like, let's take care of the basics first before you want me to like do some kind of fucking shamanic extraction or sing an Icaro over your head or, you know, take you on a medicine journey. Like, you need more hugs you need more sleep you haven't you having sex like right yeah what, are you, what, are are the, what are the basics yeah. yeah yeah you have enough nutrition yeah you, you know are your micronutrient and macronutrient bases covered yeah. that's really really good advice and something important to remember even for yourself like don't wait for other people when you're feeling like oh everything's all funky like get back to the basics first yeah. and then see what remains 
Dude, it's, you know, it's funny that you bring this up too because one of the stupidest things I would do, in hindsight, I realized how stupid it was. I would sit there with my MacBook on my couch in the mornings. I work from home the first two and a half hours of the day. My magic time that I get a lot of shit done. And it, I somehow took pride in, I'm not going to get up and go, go take a whiz until I clear out my inbox. So... <laughs> hungry you clear out your inbox before your bladder right <laughs> what yeah. a soldier right, fed right. <laughs> does that put me in the angry category because like my bladder is in the me? stubborn category yeah for right sure and so I, I just imagine that was another 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 straw that that broke the camel's back because at the end of the day it's a lot of things that, well i'm not going to eat until i finish x so now i'm hungry and angry right yeah and i would i would <laughs> Right. You were training, not your, gonna have sex you were training until, yourself like a I fucking was. porpoise. Yeah, I was. I was. I was like an Olympic level anxiety <laughs> you attack had, You had your wife with like roast beef sandwiches and you just throw one to yeah. you when you, <laughs> when you accomplish something good. Dude, but when I think back, I really was like a Neanderthal where that was concerned, but I take pride in it. Like, hey, I'm, a, yeah. you know, I'm not going to do X until I finish Y. And I would punish myself. And I hit every category of halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. The other thing my therapist, Kevin, told me was... Uh, He's like, hey, dude, look, anxiety is just anticipation of future pain. So if you're having anxiety, you're worried about something, you're anticipating some future pain, what is the future pain? Deal with it now so you don't have to have an anxiety attack about it later. Fair enough. In four weeks, he had me dialed in. And so before I left his office on that fourth week, he goes, listen, is there before we part ways, is there anything else we need to talk about in your life? Is there any other help I can give you? No, Kevin, everything's fine. He goes, well, what about childhood, parents? Everyone has issues with their parents. I'm like, listen, man, I come from a communist background. I was a foreigner. You know, we don't get put on restrictions. You know, if, if I was bad, we get beat. And you just try and fight your way out and lock yourself in the restroom until dad calms down. Um, I go, but what happened to me as a kid, you know, totally, when I was younger in Armenia, trumps the beatings that my dad would give me. And he goes, wait, what? Something else trumped that? I just broke down crying. And so this goes back to what you were asking about this, this, inner drive, this need for approval and validation. But as a kid, between the ages of four and six, uh, some really, really bad things happened to me by, by two older boys. Um, I was molested by two older boys consistently in Armenia. And so when we escaped uh, the Soviet Union, which Armenia was a part of at the time, my parents don't realize they actually saved me from, from the constant molestation. And so growing up, I grew up with a chip on my shoulder, with anger, with, with rage, with confusion and shame. And it took working with a therapist 16 months to identify those three words. And it was a, it was a cycle of anger or rage, confusion, shame. I'm like, how the fuck could this happen to me, right? The confusion, why did this happen to me? And the shame, I can't believe this happened to me. Mm-hmm. And so you grow up with that and your self-worth, your self-esteem, your self-image, confidence is just fucking non-existent. And add to that, you're in a new country, you don't speak English, you're a foreigner, you're dumpster diving for food. Um, I told you, like, you know, I had a Herman Munster shirt on because that's what my parents found in the dumpster the first couple of days that we got to this country. People call me Herman instead of mm-hmm. Pedro's, and I started mm-hmm. to actually respond to that. Well, soon you really do grow up with this chip on your shoulder, like, I'm going to fucking get respect one way or another. Now... What I've come to find out since is most entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs have some level of darkness chip on their shoulder, point to prove, validation, uh, uh, approval to, to get, which is why we create our businesses, our empires, our, our thing, right? In the process, if we do it right, we start to self-actualize, we take the time to evolve, see a therapist, talk to a shaman, whatever well what ends up happening is we fix all these external things and we realize the internal things don't get fixed and that's when the depression sets in and that's when the anxiety sets in because you know you get all of you think you know as you grow up you think oh if i just get all this external stuff right everything's going to be right and your eyes are always looking outward and then you shape the outward world to the way you want it to be and you have everything and then you look inside and you're like i still feel the same I still feel like I need validation. I still am unhappy. I'm still anxious. I'm still depressed. And that's that exasperation in realizing, fuck, the world can't give you what you need. You have to give that to yourself. You have to point that gaze back to your heart. And that's that's the point that all of us come to. And then some of us who don't have that, you know, awakening to realize, oh, I gotta really work on the inside. They they go by what I call the faulty machine hypothesis. Like, oh, I'm just a faulty machine. I have a chemical imbalance, uh, blah, blah, blah. Let me take some pills to mask it. And then they never get to do the inner work. They just kind of chase symptoms. But really, 
that feeling you're feeling is intentional that feeling you're feeling is trying to get you is your body and psyche and emotional body just screaming for you to go take your intention back inwards yeah and i failed to do that it's funny because this one entire side of the ledger i had down as an entrepreneur leadership ability to market sell scale a business on this other side i was emotionally stunted emotionally stunted failed to do the work failed to recognize and in fact the first thing when when uh, when my therapist he goes uh you know I, I broke down crying in front of him like when 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 i brought it up and he had to talk me through it like hey what happened explain what happened so i can help you and as i did i go but kevin what happened to that little boy i've dealt with it's fine and he goes what happened to who oh, that little boy he goes you realize that's called disassociation and that's the first step into creating multiple personalities holy fuck i didn't solve my problem i simply created more businesses and more distraction to insulate and isolate myself from dealing with what happened yeah. to me not that little boy a line of demarcation between yes. bedros and the little boy yes yes and the, and the joy and the bliss of life comes from the unification of that yeah. little boy yeah. inside this full-grown man body you yeah know? and that that's what he had me do next which he gave me the sentence you know after we explored a lot of the you had a good therapist by the way i really did man i, I really lucked That's, out i mean generally this takes you know uh, he sounds like a very skilled therapist yeah i mean every monday monday at 5 p.m i was there on his on his on his couch and i would go on mondays because mondays were the most stressful days for me as far mm -hmm. as work wise and so i did that because of anxiety and then it just stuck with the self-work 16 months later but he took the time to explain where the rage came from, the shame, the confusion. And, dude, he likened it to this. He says, imagine you're in the pool. You're, like, chest high with water. And I give you a giant beach ball that's fully inflated. And I go, all right, Aubrey, hold it down underwater. You're a strong cat. There's no waves. You can hold it down long enough. But sooner or later, you're going to get an itch. You're going to want to move. <laughs> At some point, that ball's going to pop out, right? That ball is that rage. And when it pops, Lord help you if you're in my way at the time, yeah. right? He goes, what if we can just deflate that ball so you don't have to force it down and hold it down the whole time? It's like, holy shit, what a great concept, Kevin, right? Mm -hmm. And so just under the surface was this bubbling rage. Now, I used it. I channeled it to grow a business and an empire, and I go, see, I'm better. Look, I'm doing something great for society and the world. Look how healthy I am, world. Right. <laughs> Look what right, I've done. Right, right. Could, a, could someone who's a, could a tortured soul do this? Right. Hell no, no, they couldn't. No. Clearly, I'm okay. I got a thousand franchises, motherfuckers. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, but further Don't proof. talk about that little boy. That's not me. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. But all I did was put 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 that little boy in a box and put him away, yeah. right? And so it feels so good to be able to talk about it, dude. It feels so good to say, this is what happened to me. It was a blip on my radar. It doesn't define me. There's no rage sitting just under the surface. I'm not ashamed of what happened. It was a rite of passage. Boys look up to older boys or men as a rite of passage, and these two older boys took advantage of me. That's mm -hmm. it. There is yeah. no shame. I didn't ask for that. There was no confusion. Right. Why did that? But it took, so, and you know, in hindsight, it's like, well, that's fucking easy to understand. But you know what? Dude, I was knuckle-dragging the other thrall where that was concerned, and I needed someone to tell me that. You didn't ask for that. Knights have squires because there's a rite of passage to being a knight. You were looking up to these older boys, and they took advantage of that. It's like, holy shit. And I can just feel the air out of that beach ball going away. Yeah, sure. And all of a sudden, people today go, dude, you look, you look leaner. You look taller. You look happier. There's this glow about you. Nothing has changed other than the fact that I've dealt with my shit and continue to do the inner work because now i go let's just peel one more layer see what's under this this rug let's peel one more layer where i before I, instead of peeling layers let's just start another business and create more insulation and isolation yeah i've been fortunate enough to be there in person and watch the tapes from the uh, maps clinical research on trauma yeah. and a lot of childhood sexual abuse stuff and some and sometimes some very high performers people who have very similar stories to you yeah and i've watched in these mdma assisted sessions guided by two practitioners male and female and they go and allow the medicine to set hold and then really allow people to get very introspective and i've watched that whole process everything that you you know talked about first it's that how could this happen like i was just a little boy like why yeah. and then it goes to the rage like how dare you you know how dare you do this and then from there watching that transition to 
you know what? I bet this thing, same thing happened to you. I bet there were older boys who did this to you and you were just acting out the same pattern. And I bet there was older boys who did that to them. And I bet their parents did that to them. And there's this chain of trauma that started from so long ago. And okay, I see that now. And I see you didn't know any better and I forgive you, you know, and I, I feel empathy for what you must have gone through and what you're still going through for the guilt for having perpetrated that on somebody else and watch that come full circle and watch somebody emerge through the tears, the rage, the yelling, the somatic, the, the, you know, understanding that the shame was just a pure delusion and then come out and be a truly totally different human being. You know, it's like that trauma, we think we got it under control and we, but if it's there, it's like that beach ball, and it's always requiring psychic energy to keep depressed. Yeah. You know, and it's we think of it. It's a good analogy because it's using our physical force, but you have to just measure that as like your emotional and psychic force. Like that psychic force is always every second of every day being applied to keep that trauma quarantine walled off underwater. Yeah. And, and that's a lot release, of effort. That's a lot of fucking effort. It's exhausting. That's energy that can go towards loving up your family or totally. whoever, right? Like really making a bigger impact. Yeah. Yeah. Holy hell, man. It's, yeah. it's like one of the most important. That's why it's the cause that I'm pushing the most effort into because we all carry that shit. You know, my story is not nearly as dramatic as your story or a lot of these other stories, you know, but nonetheless, trauma built, you yeah. know, in its own specific way because even the withdrawal of love, which was the pattern from my father and you know he wasn't super physically aggressive but emotionally like a total tyrant in certain cases you know one comment five days later he would corner me throw me down and yell at me for an hour until his rage had gone and that triggered this crazy you know as a little kid you know the, the impact of that was significant enough that even me had to deal with the own ramifications of that my own self self doubt and criticism of my and awareness of everything i'm saying how am i going to offend somebody i got to make sure my dad's happy and this kind of pleasing of father figure mentality and all of this shit downstream that only now at 37 through all my work am i finally getting to the bottom of it and finally actually being able to give a like a guy a hug like as a friend and kind of trust him because like I didn't trust, Holy I didn't shit. trust any men. Yes, period. Yes, you know it was like, yeah, all right, cool. We're hugging yeah. it. We're hugging it out. But fucking, I'm yeah. much be, I'll be much happier when we're done hugging it right. out. Right, I don't fucking trust you. Right, you know? and like realizing, like, damn, that's my shit. That's my shit from patterned early from my dad and and you know other shit that happened. And it wasn't even that dramatic, man. You know what's funny though? It was because as Kevin. I, I keep going back to Kevin like he's become the shaman to me, my therapist. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I, I, I hope he doesn't. Well, you know what? If he listens to your podcast, all the better. But he looks like Einstein minus the eyebrows. The man's got no <laughs> eyebrows. And so the first like five, six weeks, I'm just constantly looking where the eyebrows should be. <laughs> Fuck, are those eyebrows right? He's got to paint some on yeah. or something. <laughs> Kevin, yeah. Kevin, can you get an eyebrow pencil? Oh, my to God. Yeah. But, but it's like, just if you fix that, I can hone in on what we're here for, you know? And, and you know, I got a bit of OCD, so I lock on on the thing that's missing. It's like if you take Mr. Potato Head and you just move the mouth oh, off yeah, or something, yeah. it's like, there's something missing off Mr. Potato Head. But anyway, love the man of pieces. But, uh, but uh, fuck, I lost my train of thought. Well, you're we're saying really... that it is it is significant, and you're right. You know, you can't yeah. compare. You can't compare trauma to trauma. He explained the whole thing to, our, to your to your subconscious mind, whether it's rape, molest, emotional, or physical abuse. The scar is the same depth, same length, is how mm-hmm. he described it. And the fact that you were like, "Hey, hugging it out with the guy," but you're just like inside, get the fuck off of me. I don't trust you. I don't know what's right. I don't even want to show vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. Same as uh, as I was molested. Same thing as someone who was raped same thing as someone who was physically beaten not verbally and emotionally abused the scars as long as deep yeah it makes sense so the work needs to be done but most of us choose to get distracted yeah and and interestingly too how it follows in the male female patterns like my mom like as close to unconditional love as a human being i've ever known you know same with my grandma so like through that chain it's like really easy for me to open up to females and yeah. feel really comfortable in female presence you know like that's because that pattern that i learned was like okay mom is safe yeah you know dad might be crazy i gotta be on my toes right i gotta fucking watch my shit because powerful dad you don't know you know it's like a volcano you don't know when that shit's gonna erupt yeah yeah. but 
mom oh, kicking rocks my yeah. mom now regard and then so and that's and that's the pattern that's gone and then you know obviously for people who haven't had either mom and dad are off then you know then it's then it's everybody you know and i think i feel very very fortunate that on that side i've had at least one side of the biological spectrum where i can just collapse and, yeah. and i don't have to do that work because fuck it's been a it's been a truckload and i was blind to it too honestly like this is a revelation of only a year or two ago and this is after 17 sessions of ayahuasca and all this stuff to really realize like man i just fucking i can't hug a dude like i just can't i can't do that and it's it's interesting how deep that how deep that runs and then how the awareness can start to shift that can i ask how the relationship with dad is now if there is one at all yeah unfortunately he's not mentally well anymore so it's it's too bad because it would have been nice to have this actual physical you know because he 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 was great in a lot of ways too he was brilliant he taught me a lot about logical reasoning and we had a lot of fun as well um but uh unfortunately yeah he's he's not mentally well anymore so yeah. i won't be able to have that kind of physical um that physical kind of acknowledgement of that sure. but you know i ended up playing that pattern out with other male figures in my life like the paternal archetype was then trans transpositioned on other powerful influential people yeah. and i've been able to now watch my friendships become more real my trust become more real yeah. my comfort like i'm not trying to please them or worry about what i'm saying and i can actually be a just truly a better friend yeah. you know not i was i was a good friend but i was doing it not out of full authenticity i was still like worried like uh-oh you know but now i can kind of relax and it's really almost felt like my own rite of passage where now I don't have any of this father stuff yeah. hanging over and I can really be my own man. And it's, I'm fucking, yeah, I'm like about to turn 37, you know, and it's, it's crazy. And it's, and it seems like this is stuff that should be sorted earlier, but it doesn't yeah. sort itself until no. you sort it. That's the yeah. thing. Like you could be fucking 60 listening to this right now. You'd be 70. Like it, it's not going to sort itself <laughs> until you sort it out. Do you, uh, do you remember Craig Ballantyne? Yeah. Okay. So Craig Ballantyne and I kind of came to a, <clears throat> discovery right around the same time that men in their mid to late 30s have these th that's when anxiety attacks a, a disease a something's going to happen to you like there's a shift that happens in your life or it just might be i'm ready to deal with my shit yeah. i'm ready to deal with my shit something about that 36 37 38 39 year old area for men where that takes place but i think it's because you just fucking actually finally kicked ass in the way that you wanted to kick ass yeah. in your career and business and so there's nothing else externally left to do yeah like what oh i, I get the fucking tesla roadster instead of the tesla oh right. you know on it sales go up 40 it's all incremental from that point yeah. like there's no other shit to do but actually do the internal work yeah you've you've exhausted the external resources yeah that's absolutely right a friend of mine he was in the Navy SEAL training program about 20 years ago. He didn't make it because his eardrum blew out during BUDS. He went into the Navy. He now realizes now, just in the last year and a half, that he went into the SEAL training program just to please his dad. Because dad was, if one thing was off with the fridge, things were moved around in an unorganized fashion in the fridge, he would tell him 99% is not good enough. And so he said, well, I'm going to become the perfect soldier. I'm going to become a Navy SEAL. And, of course, he got washed out from the SEAL program. He just felt like life is over. Mm -hmm. He's been working on himself the last year and a half, two years. And he just called me two days ago, three days ago. And uh, he's like, dude, we haven't heard from you for a while because uh, for the last two weeks I drove all the way from California to Florida and knocked on my parents' door and, like, had the most uplifting uh, real connection with them and accepted their apology, my dad's apology specifically, holy shit like here's a guy who put himself who says i'm gonna go become a navy seal and potentially go die simply because i need to become the best of the best because dad says 99 percent wasn't good enough right i mean that is scarring shit and the fact that yeah. he was able to drive cross country unannounced knock on the door and go hey dad i'm here to talk about everything that's because he did the work and you're right we do so much and then we finally go all right well i've created the business i've created the empire i've dominated my path I think I got nothing else to do but do the inside work. And that's the work that fucking counts. Like yeah, I came alive finally. Yeah, it's just unpacking all of this extra weight. And then you realize how good how good life is. Yeah. Like 
you know, welcome to heaven, population everyone. Right. Like, and it's like, oh, shit, I've right. been here all along. Yeah. I was just not, I was not participating. You know, I was locked in my own struggles, my own egoic battles, my own validation seeking. I mean, we're, humans are just rampant validation seekers. Like, think of all the ways that all of us seek validation. All right, we look in the mirror. How good do we look? Okay. We take our shirt off. How, how fit are we? Okay. We measure ourselves on some statistics. All right. We check our bank account. You know, maybe we look between our legs and see how big our dick is. We look at the pictures of how hot our girl is. We check our Instagram feed. We fucking validate ourselves yeah, incessantly, incessantly. Yeah. But you know what? It never makes you feel any better because the only reason you're valid is because you're human, man. Like we're all valid. Yeah. We're all we all carry that piece of divine love in our heart. You know, like yeah. that's that's what makes us valid. It's none of this external shit. It's that we're alive. That's all you need. Yeah. You know. So and that's the that's the existential crisis that I think we get in. And it's not that you're saying, all right, never do any of that. Never validate yourself. But understand that that's all. Those are all just the games, as the Toltecs say. That's your controlled folly. Like you should be able to laugh at that. You know, if all your followers went to zero and if all blah 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 right. all of this like oh man well there goes that there goes that <laughs> That was a fun yeah. game while it lasted yeah you know treat it like you're playing fucking craps with house money you know and you're still oh man seven's on that one all right cool well i'll go to blackjack you know like yeah. it's all just the real stuff the real stuff can't be taken from you like the real stuff is unvalidatable because it's not in question funny that we seek out validation externally when it's always inside it's always inside reminds me of a seth godin email i read a few months ago he talks about how everyone's looking for dopamine hits no one's looking for serotonin hits right and they're both feel-good hormones but you know the public speaker will go up on stage and speak and get a standing ovation he'll get that dopamine hit and he's looking for more of that so then he might go and get a hooker because it instantly feels good again wants the dopamine hits but the so public speaking leads the hookers. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm fucking in trouble. I'm in trouble, Bedros. I'm really. I got to like, watch out because I'm doing a lot of speaking oh these God. days. Yeah, but, but it's funny. I was watching the movie The Wrestler, right? And and, uh -huh. and how every time he's in the ring, he gets validation. It's a dopamine hit, dopamine hit. Then he, after that, he would go to the strip club and dopamine hit uh, because while well, you're paying for a stripper to, to dance for you, whatever. But really, the serotonin is the longer-lasting feel-good hormone, and that's really or, or chemical, and that's really what we're looking for. But no one wants to take the time because it's easier to upload a picture or a video to Instagram or Facebook or whatever and count how many likes and loves and shares and comments you get. Yeah. Well, building a business like this that employs I don't know tens of hundreds of people or whatever that makes an impact, changes lives. Like three of my team members at our headquarters, like I said, use Alpha Brain, use your product. Like you're impacting three people at the in Chino Hills at our headquarters, right? Mm -hmm. That's a serotonin hit like you're building legacy but nobody wants to invest the time in building the legacy they'll take the dopamine hits all day long which is why then i found we get depressed we get in the funk i didn't get enough likes comments shares or in your case like you said um fuck everything went to zero i lost all my followers now what you and i lose our followers now i don't give a shit mm -hmm. i don't give a shit someone lose their followers and they they hung their entire identity off their social media following they're about to go jump off a cliff, man. What the fuck? Yeah, because their identity is more real than their person. Yeah. You know, there's it's just that ego that who you think you are, who you're trying to defend to the world. I am this. See, I'm important. World, I'm important. Yeah. You know, when that gets called into question, it's sometimes more painful than even physical death. And that's why, you know, a lot of these suicides happen. Your identity self is so in pain that it trumps your physical self and your spiritual you're like oh fuck i'm just gonna flush it all down when you realize that the move is to just shift your identification and realize oh all that stuff doesn't really matter yeah you know like the important stuff is wow look at this incredible body when i run my finger across my arm i can feel the sensation of the nerves i can feel the change in temperature and the air and other people can interact with me and i can eat all these foods and have sex and enjoy life in this amazing way and grow spiritually and grow emotionally and i can help other people do the same and that's what you're talking about that's mm -hmm. where that sustainable practice comes in where you're not just focused on yourself all the time you're like yeah. well how can i help all these other people thrive and, and experience this same piece of heaven that we all have access to yeah huge 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 yeah. man what uh it's just as a learning experience for me but you said it was just in the last year and a half or so right that you mm -hmm. went through this evolution was there an event that triggered it like for me it was accidental right it was my anxiety attack that led me to a therapist who asked the right questions yeah you know there was a 
there was one of the, and I won't go into the details in this, but one of the kind of surrogate father figures that had kind of developed in my life, that relationship went really, uh, really askew for a little while. And then that was a big, that was a big catalyst for it too. And me realizing like, cause I was, I always thought about it just as dad, like, mm-hmm. like my relationship with my particular father, not like capital F father. And I think, I think it was understanding like, oh, you know what? I've trans, like, cause I felt like I kind of sorted my shit with my dad, like got into a place of love and forgiveness, saw, saw the chain of his crazy father never met my grandfather on his side but the he he used to hold trials like for his sons from like age five because he was a lawyer like put his kids on trial and then convict them and like they would have to defend the crazy friends kafka shit right so like obviously like that's going to implant some darkness through the line and my dad did his best to unload as much as he could he just couldn't get it all off so i felt like oh man you know i got a good amount done with my dad but what i didn't realize is i'd also transposed capital f father on other men and it was not until I realized that through, you know, what now I see is great blessing in, you know, kind of the catalyst of some of these other relationships going haywire. I was like, oh, I'm fathering, you know, I'm having father issues with multiple other people, actually all other male figures that aren't in that more student role. Like if they're, if I mentor to another person, then I'm a lot more comfortable. But anybody who's like a peer or you know elevated in status yeah then a lot of those issues no are applying and so that helped me realize So you saw the pattern happen i saw the pattern happening of my my own withdrawing my own lack of trust my own all that and then trace that back to all right this is all that same shit i was working on with my dad i gotta apply this to the rest of the world because it's really in me it's in myself and that that was like the little key because i have tools to help work on myself but sometimes you just need that awareness key so that I can turn the lock and then say, all right, here's the body of work. Yeah, yeah. Like, here's all the cobwebs I got to clean. It's like a house renovation. Uh-huh. Like, it was a room that I hadn't even looked in. Like, oh, damn, here's the secret door into this room. And it's my relationship with all other men. I got to fucking bring in, the, bring in some light, bring in some sunlight, open the windows, start cleaning out the cobwebs, start scrubbing the floors. And that's been the process. You know, it doesn't happen in an instant. But once you open that door and you see, like, all right, here's the mess, then for me, you know, I, I have the tools I can start to clean it. Being fully transparent, dude, I can tell you that I didn't have the wherewithal like you did to, I'll just call it the outside eyes that you had Mm -hmm. to go, oh shit, there's a pattern repeating here. Like, I had to have someone tell me like, hey, I think there's some, in hindsight, I realized, again, my therapist, Kevin, probably saw something else, which is why he asked the questions, hey, before we part ways, is there anything else I can help you with? And he just kept kind of fishing for it, right? So I might've dropped some hints somewhere during those first four weeks. I didn't have the wherewithal like you did to have the outside eyes on yourself and go, holy shit, when I'm mentoring someone, I'm good in that relationship. When I'm at a peer or they have this higher authoritative status over me, there's this weird fucking vibe that I'm getting. And so I began to, whatever, cause turbulence in that relationship, Uh right? What does someone do? And I'm being selfish in asking this so that I can have more outside eyes, but I'm sure your listeners are going to benefit too. But what does someone like me who's not as self-aware do to have those outside eyes? It's interesting. It's a combination of like getting very still, the introspective, you know, allowing your your own higher wisdom to come through and take a look at things. And there's a lot of ways that you can get still. There's meditation, yoga, flow state, ecstatic dance, hyperoxygenation, flotation, sensory deprivation. Those are like kind of like the base level. Yeah. And then obviously I've done the plant medicine ceremonies and the psychedelic journeys as well, which can really illuminate a lot. But sometimes it just comes from listening to podcasts like this like there may be people here who really just takes that information like the the way that you think about it like huh is this applying anywhere else and that kind of inquisitiveness and and that can come from reading books and come from just learning about the patterns that we all have and then using some of these other techniques and tools to really unpack it you know Mm -hmm. but i've discovered these doors you know because i've done like i said i did 17 ayahuasca journeys i did all boga i did all the other stuff for years you know i had my first vision quest at 18 hadn't noticed that pattern you know in 17 years until something actually in the physical world illuminated that for me and then i could then i had enough knowledge from my own work from books i'd read from emotional processing understandings from philosophy 
And so I think it's really the, it's a totality, you know, there's like, there's no one way to just get a spotlight on it. It's a totality of knowing yourself, observing your own emotions, learning from different other spiritual masters, and then learning how to get still and tap into your higher wisdom. It's still, it's funny because it's just been in the last two years that I've allowed myself to get still. Yeah. I certainly had the time and capability, but I kept finding things to fill in that time, mm-hmm. right? To not get still. Yeah, yeah, that's it, to get still. I love that. Super, yeah, because your higher self speaks to you in a whisper. It doesn't yell. The ego's like a fucking child eating Twizzlers and having a fucking rant. Yeah. You know, they're like, wah, 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 more, more, more. I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm blah. And then, you know, the, the true self, the higher self, is just speaking to you in whispers. Like, it's okay, you're going to be fine. That was blah, a huge blah, blah. takeaway there for me. Yeah. And then so listening to those whispers, you got to still that other part of your mind and get quiet. And then the whispers will start coming. Huh. Do do run workshops? Because I think I've got your first volunteer yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> I do sometimes. Yeah, I have I have done before. And I use some different experiential techniques to get in there. I really love, especially for men, I love ecstatic dance. Like that's one of the most powerful tools, transformational tools I've seen. Because we carry as men a lot of, psychic kind of constriction in our body you know there's certain patterns that a man can move in always forward always you know masculine always in this certain way and the ability to move the body freely to like open up and surrender and just look silly look crazy move around move your hips move your body move your arms and just connect the music to your body directly without the ego being a judge it allows you to actually start to anchor in the body and move through space in a different way. And a lot of emotions come up, you know, through these things I lead. I lead them through, you know, uh, Stan Groff's model of the basic prenatal matrices. So the first you're in the womb, everything's cool and comfy. And we start, you know, kind of on the ground and relaxed. And then, then the water breaks and it's chaos, right? And everything's going to shit around you. And so we tap into that emotion like, oh my God, I don't know what the fuck to do. I'm, everything's going crazy. My whole world's different. And then, you know, there, there's the fighting to go get your first gasp of air. It's that kind of warrior archetype through the birth canal. You see a narrow tunnel and you're just going to make it through. And then so tapping into that warrior archetype, expressing all of it through dance and emotion in a very dark room. And <clears throat> then finally birthing out into the ecstasy of life after that when you're a sweaty mess and your body is free and you've just released all of that energy. And um, it's a pretty powerful process because you know, as we carry these mental psychic constrictions, we also carry these physical constrictions. And sometimes even letting the physical go will help the mental let go too. So there's a great book on that where um called The Body Keeps the Score. Like all of the that's, right? That's a beautiful title. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of the sense. emotional trauma is you, you can you can find it on the body. Yeah. Yeah. The body keeps the score. Yeah. And when you dance like that, the body will let you know like, okay, this is where you need to let this go. You're holding this and you're organs so you start moving that around you're holding this in your hips you're holding this in your shoulders mm. you know and you just really start to listen and listen to the whispers that the body is telling you too like okay move like this okay oh wow i feel self-conscious when i do this let me do that more <laughs> till right. i don't feel self-conscious doing it because i'm just moving right you know, like why moving. should i feel self-conscious about that like, yeah just thinking about a, like certain movements as you're doing them i'm like oh that would make me feel weird about myself. <laughs> yeah, and I, and yeah. I go like why the fuck am i feeling weird about <laughs> right. it like i can move this way i'm fine <laughs> yeah but to yeah, do exactly. that I, I, right there, I just felt weird right that's how fucked up we are man i know man. that's how fucked up we are and that's the thing like we got to start using damn. the tools that are out there like use use everything like i've had i know how fucked up i am that's why i've had to throw like the fucking <laughs> kitchen sink at <laughs> right, it right. you know it's like i've literally needed Golly, everything man to get there yeah and that's uh and I, I look forward to doing more of that you know i think for me now it's about on it it's about the books and you know i just don't have the time for those kind of experiences through my yeah. like i have a coaching course called go for your win and we have a mastermind where we'll gather together and i'll lead people through that experience so you know anybody listening interested that's that's probably the best opportunity like the go for your win masterminds i do those twice a year and um but yeah i i, I love it because i love actually going through and leading that process and the people who know me are like this might be the thing that you're best at <laughs> like i appreciate the compliment i'd love to do more of that but yeah. um you know other things are pressing at the moment right yeah without a doubt wow man 
Yeah. Yeah. It took an interesting turn. I thought I, yeah. I honestly had no uh, idea where this was going to go. No, me neither. But that's the, that's the beautiful. So like, well, Aubrey didn't send any questions. I've known him long enough to know that what his vibe is about. But I, this is this is a whole different so, turn. And, and now we're going to end up dancing. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, I got to warm up. I need twenty minutes to warm up. <laughs> you better. You I got to do mobility and foam roll. <laughs> yeah, we do actually do mobility. You don't want to throw out a throw out a joint. <laughs> yeah, I really will. But I cha- look. I challenge everybody listening, like. Even by yourself, completely by yourself, close all the windows, make sure there's nobody who can spy on you. So there's literally no reason that you should feel self-conscious. Put on some music and dance until you've danced through all the patterns that you feel uncomfortable with. And just watch how much resistance there is for literally no reason. Your own self-judge and how you move your own body in private. And watch how much shit comes up. I will be the voice of your audience for a moment since I listen to your podcast yeah. regularly. So I figure I qualify. What type of music do you recommend in that exact scenario? Close the windows, doors, no one's watching, turn off cameras. What type of music do you recommend to get one most into that group? Yeah, you know, I think that's kind of a personal preference. But obviously, like hip hop music, I love dancing in a club. But that's very kind of ego driven right. music. It's like, look at my money, look how cool I am. Blah it's going to lend itself to more self-observational dancing. So like more world music with some more kind of tribal drum beats, whether that's more of a samba vibe or more of like a jungle vibe or more, um, you know, like uh, my good friend Porangi has, uh, he just came out with a, a soundtrack, Ayahuasca remixed album. There's a couple tracks on there. There's the, the Mose remix. I think it's track eight. And then there's the uh, Drum Spider remix on there like those are awesome because it has like a heavy drum beat but it's kind of like spiritual tribal like i tend to to go towards those more tribal music um and then yeah like capoeira music is nice to kind of get warmed up and just start to flow like i like to start flowing with something like that and then move into something that's even more like positive edm house you know will end up prop is usually where i end up when i'm really loose is something with like a faster like edm beat um tribe called red is another great one because it's edm mixed with native american crying that's probably actually my favorite so if you're doing it a tribe called red edm plus like traditional native american music that would be a great place to start this has probably become the most selfish podcast that i've been interviewed <laughs> no, it's on awesome, man. Like, i just said look we're all fucking same I, I right your podcast bro <laughs> we're all same yeah. and you know yeah there's going to be some people who are like, oh, man, you know, maybe I'll start a franchise. And some people are like, oh, man, I got to deal with my yeah. shit. Oh, some people are going to look at, oh, man, I look with my parents. Some yeah. people are like, man, I got to dance. Right. Yeah. That's the fucking I think more of us need it. to just go into that dark room and dance <laughs> yeah. right now. I think that's the starting point for everyone watching, yeah, listening for sure. to this. Holy shit. And again, it's that same shame pattern, though. Like even, even a movement that you do on your own intentionally can cause this shame and self-judgment. And so much is built around sexuality and this rampant paranoia of, being homosexual right like right. if i move my hips this way i'm right. gay for Maybe sure gay, yeah. gay for <laughs> sure yeah, yeah. Like, that's the first sure checkbox yeah <laughs> right. you know like no you're not man you're good no, like you you're just, just, you're just, yeah. <laughs> you just move your hips <laughs> this doesn't mean you're gay oh god i'm crying this is so funny. oh my god <laughs> yeah but that's so true man because so so true story here when i was starting off as a personal trainer um I obviously had no sales, marketing, influence, persuasion abilities at all. And so I had three clients. And so to make ends meet, I also worked as a fry cook at Disneyland. Many people don't know this, but Disneyland is the happiest place on earth because there it, there's a high population of gay folk working at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. So one of my good friends, his name is Randy, um, he's like, hey, man, I hear you complaining that you need more money. Holidays were coming up. I was in my late 20s then. And uh, so I'm a personal trainer and a fry cook at Disneyland. He goes, I listen, there's a job at the gay club that I go to. It's a, you're not, you know, offended by gay folks. I'm like, Randy, I'm around you guys all day long. Like, mm-hmm. fuck do I care? He goes, well, it does pay more than a regular bar would. And I was going to be either a bar back or, uh, or uh, kind of work uh, as a bouncer. Mm-hmm. By the time I got there and applied, the bar back position was taken. So I was a, I was a bouncer. But um, I remember thinking like, literally, as I'm watching people dance, I'm like, oh, see, they can move that way they can move their hips that way because they're gay right so that kind of got deep-seated so as we talked about this i'm like holy shit there's dance moves that checkbox that i'm gay but right but the reality is why the fuck can't we do that no of course it's just stupid right of course because we put ourselves in the box well if i do this i'm gay if i do this i'm racist and guess what if you're gay 
Better find out. Yeah, <laughs> now's the time to open the fucking yeah, closet door. Yeah, go for it, yeah. man. Like, what are you? What are you yeah. trying to do? Like, yeah. what's what standards are you trying to live up to? Yeah. If you want, if you want dick and vagina and both and whatever, as long as everybody else is happy with it, so what, man? Be, Be you. Yep. You're good. You're validated. Like, yep. don't worry about what your parents or what society said. Like, whatever you are, it's all good. I think I might change my status on Instagram to gay. <laughs> Today's the day. Just be like, whatever. 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 Yeah. Whatever. Feel good. Whatever. Validated. Doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Validated. Yeah. It's good shit, man. Yeah, man. For sure. I appreciate that. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, best place to find me is on uh, Instagram or Facebook, Bedros Koulian, or, uh, or my blog, BedrosKoulian.com. Sweet. Yeah. And I'll get the spelling out there for people who might not understand yeah, how to spell that. Bro, that's a foreign name. You. Yeah. Pedro is whatever. I'm kind of like, hey, Pedro, I have a question. I'm like, Pedro mows my lawn. I'm Bedros, man. Come on, fucking give me a break, you know? Herman. Herman. Or, yeah. I'll answer to Herman, too, or just say Herman. You're better off calling me Herman than Pedro. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's awesome. Touche. You just Jerry Seinfeld that one. You just brought that all the way back around. I like that. I appreciate you coming on, brother. That was Thanks great, for the opportunity, yeah, man. Great to hang with you. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to connect with me on Instagram, at Aubrey Marcus. Let me know what you think. Drop into our Facebook groups. And, of course, we're getting close to the book launch for Own the Day, Own Your Life. If you haven't yet, check out ownthedaybook.com. It's coming real soon. I hope you guys really enjoy it. I can't wait to get this book in your hands. I think you're really going to love it.